Like it or not, Yeshua taught Hasidic Judaism before Hasidic Judaism was even a thing. If you hope to make a point, then you better rely upon primary and secondary sources and not YouTube theology. Did not Yeshua say Yeshuot v'yelachim is of the Yehudim? When Hashem says in Deuteronomy to listen to the rulings of the Sanhedrin or the penalty of death, I don't think he was kidding. If you're a sacred namer, a two-house theologian, a chirite, a one-Torah theologian, and you reject the rabbis and the sages, get ready to have your foundation be rocked. All right, Shabbat Shalom, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and start in prayer. Baruch atah Adonai, Yelohinu Melech HaLam, Mitzvotah, Blessed are you, Lord our God, Master of the Universe, who has sanctified us in the words of the Torah. Father Hashem, I just ask that you would be with each and every single person as they are listening to this broadcast, and that you um, uh, tug on their hearts, Father, and that you uh, help them in a greater understanding of the Torah, Father. And I just ask that you be with each and every single one of them each Shabbos, and that you be with them throughout their week, and that they have a Shavuot Tov. All right? All right. So this week's Torah portion is the Torah portion Shalach, also known as Shalach Lacha. Okay, um, Shalach Lacha is a little bit more proper in terms of uh, grammar and so on and so forth. So you'll see it in uh, many different places as either Shalach or Shalach Lacha. Okay, and so um, the thing the thing is that neither one of them is incorrect. Uh, they're, they're both right, in all honesty. And uh, one of the major mitzvahs that we have that is actually at the end of this Torah portion is the last couple of verses, as a matter of fact, before it is that we get into the Torah portion, Korach. Now, just to give a quick overview of what it is that we saw in Shalach or Shalachacha, is we saw that the spies go and give false report about the land of Israel, and we kind of end up seeing uh, what more transpires out of this in next week's Torah portion, which is the Torah portion, Korach. All right. And, uh, but what we're going to be focusing in on is the mitzvahs of Zitzit. Okay. Now, first of all, there's a lot of debate in terms of Zitzit that is within that of the Hebrew roots community and the Messianic faith. Okay. Uh, let us just first of all go to the verses that are about this particular mitzvah, and I'm reading these from the from the Targums, um, in terms of zitzit in Torah portion shalach or shalach lacha. It says, God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, saying, Speak to the male children of Israel and say to them that they shall make zitzits for themselves on the corners of their garment throughout their generation. They shall place a thread of, of, of tekelet in the uh, zitzits at each corner. These will be your zitzits. When you see when you see it, you will remember all the commandments of God to perform them, and you will not follow after the spies of the evil inclination or the hearts 
of your eyes, which lead you astray, so that you may remember and perform all my commandments, and you will be holy to your God. I am Hashem your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Hashem your God. Okay? So, the thing is that one of the things that we end up seeing uh, most notably in the Messianic faith and the Hebrew roots, we tend to see a lot of uh, people go and attaching Zitzi to their belt loops. Now, let me go ahead and give you two um, examples of Zitzit and the kosher way, the proper way of doing Zitzit. Okay? Uh, first of all, we have the Talit Gadol. Okay? Now, the Talit Gadol, as you see here, has four corners. Okay? You know, and this is important. You know, it talks about a four-cornered garment. Now, the thing about it, though, is that we don't walk around with this. You know, we don't uh, go and uh, walk around with a Talit Gadol as we're, you know, going to work or you know, uh, going throughout town or going to school or, 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 or what have you, you know, this would be something, uh, that really, <laughs> you know, doesn't work too well. Now, this is what I wear in my day-to-day -day life. This is what is called a Talit Katan. Okay. Now, thing I want to make note of with this is that as well, you see that it is that we have four corners because there's a split, you know, in each corner of the, uh, of the Talit Katan, you know, and you have the four corners here, okay? And so when it drapes down, it's open at the bottom, so it is that you have those four corners, okay? And this is the proper way that it is done, okay? Um, now, during Yeshua's day, the thing about it, though, is that chances are they didn't have Talit Katan, Okay, what would happen was there would be like this big cloak that they would end up wearing that would be like an entire garment. It, it would almost look in many ways like a modern form of a dress, but not really, you know. Um, it would just be this long cloak. And at the end of each corner where it, where it opens up, imagine the Talit Gadol, but with a hole in the middle of it, okay, that to where it is that you could put your head through. That's kind of the way that it would have been worn and done during the time of Yeshua, okay? And so in today's time, we have modern dress and all those and all those things, so we do the Talit Katan. Now, the thing about it, though, is that with these belt loops, Zitzit, that we end up seeing, um, in many ways, that's just a marketing thing for quite a few people. That's just a marketing thing because, let me put it to you this way, I'm able to get a kosher Talit Katan, uh, from places like Amazon, from eBay, from Judaica stores, and things like 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 that for like fourteen bucks. But if you go onto like Etsy and all these stuff, and you see these messianics going and and Hebrew roots people going and making uh, zitzit that you put on your belt loops, you you're probably going to end up paying like twenty five bucks for that. And there's a spiritual implication of this because. That 90% of that garment, you know, it looks like an undershirt, it is underneath that of your clothing, okay? And I spoke about this the other day in the five-minute um, in the five-minute little drosh that I do every day except for on Shabbos. 
um, about the fact that, you know, that 90% of our observance is not for the world to see. 90% of our observance is actually within the Bais, you know, and it starts within the lave. It starts within that of the heart because of the fact that the Torah starts with the letter Beit and it ends with the letter Lamed. Uh, you know, the two words there are Bereshit is the first word of the Torah, and the very last word of the Torah is that of Israel. And so what happens is you, as you place those two letters together, you get the word Lev. So the entire Torah must be fulfilled within that of the Lev, within the place that is hidden, that relate to that of the Neshama, one level of the soul, the Nefesh, another level of the soul, Ruach, the spirit, you know, and so on and so forth. Um... Chabad goes and teaches that there's five levels of the soul and those in which are three of them. And so, you know, so, so this is the, the, the entire thing in terms of the fulfillment of mitzvahs. Okay. Now, one, another thing that comes up for debate a lot of the time is what about women and tzitzit? Now, the thing about those, I've really softened my position on this based upon new evidence. And all this stuff, you know, I used to be adamantly against women wearing zitziot because of the fact that it says B'nai Yisrael as opposed to Banot Yisrael, which is the same terminology that is used with tefillin or phylacteries, okay? It says B'nai Yisrael as opposed to Banot. But the thing about it, though, is that one of the things that we do see is that the word zitzit is grammatically feminine, okay? The word zitzit is feminine. So the thing, the thing with this is that they do make um, in many Judaica stores and all of these things that are absolutely kosher, zitzit for women that are a part of a feminine, um, part of a feminine uh, garment. Okay, so you know, like these two things that I just showed you, you know, women cannot wear those because that those are male garments. You know, they're not they're not feminine garments, so you know they cannot wear those. But there are certain ones that are made for women. Okay. Um, so that's something that's, you know, very important to understand. We also see that some of the great sages like the Rambam taught his daughters how to tie zitziot because, and also how to wrap tefillin. Why? Because if they go and they marry somebody who is a convert and they don't know how to, you know, do don tefillin and they don't know how to tie zitziot, you know, this is something that will, you know, uh, help them out. Um, so, you know, these are these are major premises in terms of this. Another thing to consider as well is that if you ever go to the land of Israel, is that if you go to if you if you go to Israel and you're a married man, you'd want to tuck your zitzit into your um into your pants. Okay, you want to tuck them in. Um some sects of of Judaism do that, some do not. A majority within the land of Israel do. Um, you know, so you know Now, the thing is that in terms of the zitzit, one of the things that we end up seeing, let me grab the Talit Katan here, is that within this, you, you ha we have eight strands, okay? We have eight strands that are at the bottom of the zitzit. And the question then becomes, why is it that there are eight strands, um, with, with the zitzit. The eight strands refer to eight major organs of the body. Okay? These eight organs are the eyes, 
the ears, the mouth, the nose, the hand, the feet, the heart, and the genitals. Okay? Now we're going to look at all of these in the form of positive and also negative commandments. Okay? Now those of you, you know, you'll get the gist if you don't know what the difference is between a positive commandment and a negative commandment. You'll get the gist of this uh, through this. But these eight strands go and show us the eight main organs of the body that cause us to fulfill mitzvahs in a proper way or cause us to defile mitzvahs. Okay, so it it guards us in terms. So zitzit, in many ways, refers to both a positive and a negative commandment. Okay, we'll start first with the eyes or the eyes and the heart. Okay, now within Numbers chapter fifteen verse thirty nine, it says, "These will be your zitzit. When you see it, you will remember all the commandments of God and perform them." And you will not follow after the spies of the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, your hearts and your eyes, which lead you astray. Okay? Now, the thing about it, though, is that we can relate this to modern-day society, and we're going to make a point to do this as we go through each of these things and each strand that is within each zitzit. And so how it is that we are to remember how it is that we are supposed to think about this in today's world as well, okay? And so you can think of in today's time, you know, you can go and look at, you know, if you're ever like in a big crowd and all that stuff or you're walking down the street and you see how it is that people react, especially men, whenever it is that they see an attractive woman walk by and all that stuff, we see how it is that our eyes kind of tend to clutter the heart in a way to feel something that's not necessarily so kosher. And this also gets into several other things. Now, in relation to the ears and the hands, we see in Exodus chapter 23, verse 1, it says, do not listen to false report and do not extend a hand to a wicked person who is making a false claim to be a corrupt witness, okay? Now, this is something that we end up seeing within the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Messianic Faith rather often. Rumor and innuendo are prevalent. I've been on the receiving end of those quite a few times. And this is something that happens when it is that you, you know, have a weekly listenership of 140,000 people. You know, you, you tend to get a lot of this because some people don't like the position in which it is that you're in. Some people feel like, oh, I need to be doing that and all that stuff. There's a lot of jealousy that's involved. And now when we get into, you know, like take, for instance, Act chapter 15, we see that it is that there are certain mitzvahs that a person is supposed to start out with that help them to shed their fleshly desires and the things that it is that inflate the ego and the Yetzirah and all of these things. And so these are the things that, you know, um, I always talk about when I talk about, you know, Lashon Hara, we got to deal first with the Yetzirah. Uh, Lashon Hara is the evil speech. Uh, the uh, Yetzirah is the evil inclination. You know, we have to get to the root of the issue in order to combat the product 
of something that's not necessarily so good. Okay? And so as we go on here and we're going through the negative commandments um, in relation to the eight organs that are found within the eight strands of the tzitzit, the genitals, in terms of the genitals, it says this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. It says that you shall not commit adultery. Okay? We also have a passage in Exodus 19.29 that says, You should not defile your daughter, allowing your unmarried daughter to have relations for the sake of marriage. If you do, the land will become unfaithful, and the other land will provide its fruits, and the land will be filled with immorality. And one of the things that we end up seeing, especially with men that I've talked about in my Garden of Peace series, is one of the things that men have to combat rather often is you know, in terms of things related to the genitals, you know, and all that stuff, you know, sexual immorality, all of these things is something that we end up seeing time and time again. You know, we see it happening all the times in politics. We see it happening in sports. We see it happening in entertainment. We see it, you know, amongst people that it is that we know, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it's a constant struggle, as a matter of fact. And this is why it is that within uh, Kabbalah, it goes and talks about this entire thing with this, uh, this Agadah and Midrashim, which is just story and for folk, uh, story and folklore, um, about Lilith, you know, and the story goes that Lilith was the first wife of Adam. And again, Adam didn't really have a first wife. This is for Agadah and Midrashim. Just, this is for, you know, to, to convey a message. And it talked about, you know, um, Basically, the entire story goes around how it is that Lilith was gotten rid of and Hava, you know, became Adam's wife, you know, and all that stuff. And basically, this is a story that is in relation to discouraging uh, prepubescent and pubescent uh, male children about uh, nocturnal emission, you know, and all of these things because – those things and, you know, masturbation and all of those things really, you know, fuel the sexual lust and the sexual immorality and so on and so forth, you know. And we also see how it is that that affects the heart as well as the eyes and several of these other things. In fact, there's a story within that of the Talmud about a man who was a master of the mitzvahs of Zitzit, but he had a problem. He would go and see prostitutes. Okay, and so what happened was he went to this uh, prostitute and he was, you know, going and disrobing and he was trying to take off his zitzit and his zitzit went up and slapped him in the face. And he tried again and again the zitzit went up and slapped him in the face. And so what happened was he left there crying and the prostitute was wondering what was going on. And so she goes to the Rebbe and she was, you know, not uh, Jewish in any way, shape, or form. And she then wanted to go through Jewish conversion to change her ways. And ultimately what ended up happening is she ended up marrying the man whose zitzit were slapping him in the face, you know, telling him not to have relations with the prostitute. And so, you know, there, there's, there, there's a lot dealing with the um, genitals and tzitzit, you know, that we find all throughout mid- Midrashic literature. Um, in terms of the fifth, which are the feet, it says in Deuteronomy 6.14, do not go after other gods. 
the gods of other nations that are around you, meaning do not follow after them. Do not, you know, uh, go among their ways. Now, what about in terms of the mouth and the tongue? You know, we spoke briefly on that earlier. In terms of the mouth and the tongue, it says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, you may not eat any um, uh, um, abomination, as it says in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 3. Okay? It says you will not eat any abomination relating to the things of kashrut, the things that it is that we eat, relating all the way back to some of the very first commandments for individuals in Acts chapter 15, you know, which says, do not eat anything strangled, do not eat blood, you know, and these deal with the laws of kashrut, you know. Um, and then in Leviticus 19.12, it says, you should not swear falsely by any of my names, thereby profaning the name of your God is what it says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. And these are the negative commandments that we are to guard ourselves from. Now, with all of these commandments, at the same time, we also have positive commandments as well in relation to these eight organs of the body that relate to the eight strands within that of the tzitzit. In terms of the heart, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, even after you go into exile, you should continue to place these words of mine upon your heart and upon your soul. Now, the verse continues on to go into some of the others as well, the other organs of the body. It says that you should bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they should be uh, totophos between your eyes. So in many ways, this whole idea of the heart relates as well to the hand and to the eyes. And this is one of the commandments of tefillin for men. You know, um, why it is that us men wear, wear tefillin whenever it is that we go into our morning prayer and so on. The thing with this is that this is a wonderful passage in many ways because of the fact that we see how it is that the heart influences the hands and the eyes. One of the things with tefillin is when we wrap our tefillin, there's a box that is, that is uh, on one of the tefillah that goes on the bicep and it should point to that of the heart whenever it is that we go into prayer. And then we have the other box with the straps that is a front lit between the eyes. And so with this, we also see this mitzvah talked about in the book of Revelation as well with the mark of Hashem relating to that of the Tav that is on the top tefillah, okay? And so, you know, the thing the thing with this is that we end up seeing the words of the Rebbe Melech HaMashiach, Yeshua. He goes and he says that you should not even look at a woman in lust, Otherwise, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And so with this, we end up seeing how it is that the hands are affected by that of the heart and how the eyes are affected by that of the heart. Think about this, married men. You know, if your wife has, you know, uh, you maybe put on a couple of pounds, okay? She's, uh, you know, you know, gotten rather large over, 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 over time. 
The thing about it, though, is that is your heart still in the same place to see her as beautiful? Is your heart still in the same place to where it is that you have made that ketubah, that marriage contract with her, in that of the vows in which it is that you gave to one another? So you see how it is that all the things that are lasting, all the things that are um, that are a part of personality and everything in life deal with the source of that of the heart, the lave. Again, that's why it is that the Torah starts with the Beit and ends with the Lamed. It's because the fact that all of mitzvahs start within that of the lave, within that of the heart. Okay? So, in terms of the eyes, in terms of positive commandments, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, just be careful to keep track of yourself well so that you don't forget the things that your eyes saw at Sinai. Do not let those things depart from your heart. So you see how the eyes relate to the heart now again. All the days of your life, you should inform your children and your children's children about them. And we see how that right there also is in relation to the to the pay, to the mouth, to the speech, you know, and all of these things. So, you know, you, you see how it is that all of these things are tied together with that of the lave. Okay, so then we go to the ears. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, Moshe Rabbeinu called out to Israel and said to them, Listen, Israel, to the super-rational commandments and to the rational commandments, which I'm speaking in your ears today. Learn them and be careful to observe them. Now, it's interesting because in this verse, we can get off on a tangent if we want to about the um, the reliability of oral Torah and how it is that we do need oral Torah within our life because it makes note of the super rational commandments and the rational commandments. And he also makes note to the ears, which was in relation to Tarashi Biape, which is spoken and so on and so forth. But we're not going to go, you know, we're not going to go off on that, uh, tangent here today and off on into that, um, little rabbit trail. <laughs> That's a rabbit trail I usually love to get into. And all that stuff because you guys know that I'm one of the most rabbinic cats around, <laughs> in all honesty. Now, in terms of this as well, we also see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, it's talking about the mouth and the tongue. It says within Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Teach them thoroughly to your students, who are like your sons. Speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, in relation to the, uh, to, to one of the strands of the zitzit, in relation to that of the organs of the body. In terms of the hands, okay, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11, there will never cease to be destitute people in the land. Therefore, I am commanding you as you, uh, uh, you as follows. You should repeatedly open your hand to the poor brother and to your destitute resident in your land. And that's from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. And this is in relation to Zedekah. Zedekah is a major part of Zedekum. Okay. Zedekum is righteousness. That's why it is that the word Zedek is within the word Zedekah. And we wear zitzit for the reason 
to remind ourselves of how it is that we are to operate and to work in terms of being zadikim, to being righteous individuals. Now, in relation to positive commandments in terms of the genitals, which is another one of the strands, it says uh, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 7, As for you, I am commanding you to be fruitful and to multiply. Populate the earth and become numerous on it. We also see in Jeremiah 29, verse 6, Take wives and begot sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give daughters to men and let them give birth to sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not let your numbers diminish. That's what we see in Jeremiah 29, verse 6. Now, then we get into relation of the feet, okay? In terms of positive commandments with the feet, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 30, follow among the complete, uh, follow along the complete path with which Hashem your God has commanded you and do not deviate to the right or to the left. We find this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 30. In terms of the mouth and the tongue, it says this in Exodus chapter 4, verses 11, verse, uh, verses, uh, chapter, Exodus chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. It says, God said, who gave man a mouth, and who makes a person dumb or deaf, sighted or blind? Is it not I, Hashem? So now go, I will be your mouth, and I will teach you what you will say. Now we see something very similar within the Gospel of Mark as well. In Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Okay? In Mark chapter 13, verse 11, it says in there, reading from the Dalage, it says, when you lead, when they lead you away and hand you over, do not worry or think about what you will speak. That way, it will not be you speaking, but Ruach HaKodesh. Okay, so we see relation within there as well. Now, one of uh, the big passages that we end up seeing in terms of this is in the book of Zechariah, chapter 8, verses 22 through 23. And I forgot to bring out my complete Tanakh here, so what I'm going to do is go to the next verse that I have in Luke here. Uh, but in Zechariah, chapter 8, verses 22 through 23, what it says in there is that it talks about in the late days, what will end up happening is that ten from every nation will go and grab a hold of the seed of a Jew and say, teach us, for we know that Elohim is with you. Okay? And now, this is something that we see to be very prophetic, because I want you to think about this. Whenever you go into a, like, say, for instance, a messianic synagogue or something like that, Think of the uh, Jew-to-Gentile ratio that you end up finding within those synagogues. You know, it's very interesting because we had two... I was a rabbi of two different synagogues over here at two different points in time. One was called Melech Mashiach. The other one was called Beit Ge'ulah. Now, the thing that was interesting is that in Melech Mashiach, we had probably about, I think, 110 members, if I remember correctly. 110 members of the synagogue. 
Now, in terms of those 110 members, I would say that probably about about one tenth were actually, or even less than that, were actually Jewish. You know, and me, I, I was the rabbi there, but I was Jewish through conversion, not through bloodline, not through you know birth or anything like that. You know, I was I went through a conversion through uh, Breslev and had my ordination through Breslev and all of these things. You know, and that's wherever it is that you know I got my Jewish education from, and I had to do the same thing as a former Gentile, as a former you know goy turned ger to uh, you know to. To Yehudi, much in the same, going along the same lines of Avraham Avenu, you know, I had to go and pull on the zitziot of a Jew and say, you know, teach me, for I know that Hashem is with you, you know. And so this is something that we see that's very prophetic, especially in today's time, because it's so interesting. You know, some of the things that I get to do now are just things that were unheard of like 20 years ago. You know, there had been this great separation between individuals who proclaim the Torah of Hashem and um, who also, you know, um, believe in Yeshua as, 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 as the Messiah. And up until just a couple of years ago, it was very interesting because you would never hear teachers like myself on Christian radio. Um, and the first radio station that I got put on, I was the first that they put on there. That was, you know, I'm now a Lapid uh, Jewish believer, but I used to be a Messianic. Yeah, I was the first Messianic they ever, ha ever had on that station. And then they brought on another one, then, then another one. I think they ended up having about three on there. And then I ended up going and teaching at Christian colleges, you know, or a Christian college that was close to my apartment over here. I, I taught over there for a semester. And then, you know, I constantly am getting you know, things from churches and all that stuff asking me to train their missionaries and all that stuff and working alongside the Christian community. So I even see Christians going and doing this very same thing, pulling on the zitziot of a Jew, you know, and wanting to, 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 to learn these, these ways, you know, and to, to learn about the Jewish Messiah. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest shows on TBN right now is Rabbi Schneider, you know, which I believe is, is his name of his show the uh, Jewish Jesus or something like that, you know. And so, you know, this is something that's uh, really huge here. So next we're going to go to Luke chapter 8, verse 44. And it says, And she drew near from behind him and touched the corner of his garment. Her discharge of blood simply stopped, okay? And we see this woman going and grabbing a hold of the seat of Yeshua. Now, the thing, the reason why I bring this up is because of within the mitzvahs of tzitzit, one of the things that we end up finding within that of Judaism is this idea of healing and of uh, geula, redemption, and uh, favor from Hashem through that of, of tzitzit. And so what I'm doing here is I'm turning to uh, Philo Ta'anit uh, ta within the uh, Talmud here. And uh, this actually starts out on page 23a and then runs into 23b, and it has this story um, in relation to Zitzit. It says, Abai Hilcha was the grandson of Hanoi, the circle drawer. When the world needed water, rabbis would send word to him, and he would ask for mercy, so it rained. 
One time, the world needed rain, so rabbis sent him to a pair of the rabbis to ask for mercy so that it would rain. They came to his house, but did not find him there. They went out into the field, and they found out that he was hoeing. They greeted him, but he did not pay any attention to them. Towards evening, he gathered wood and placed wood um, and rake on one shoulder and his cloak on the other. Through the whole walk, he did not tie his shoes. But he came to a stream, and uh, he put them on, and he came upon thorns and thistles. He lifted his garments. When he got to town, his wife came to meet him all dolled up. When he got home, his wife went in first, and he went in. Then the rabbis went in. He sat down to wrap bread, but did not say to the rabbis, Come eat bread. He divided the bread among his children, the older one, the, uh, the older one piece, and the younger two. He said to his wife, I know that rabbis have come on account of rain. Let's go up to the roof and ask for mercy. It's possible that the Holy One, blessed be he, will be pleased for rain to come, and he won't take credit and we won't take credit for ourselves. They went up to the roof and he stood on one corner, she sat on another. First clouds gathered to the corner of his wife. Then he came down and said, Why have rabbis come? And they said to him, The rabbis have sent us to the master to seek mercy for rain. He said to them, Blessed be the omnipotent, the one who made you uh, Abba uh, Hilquia. And he said to him, We know for sure that rain has come on account of the master, but perhaps the master will explain for us these things that have uh, surprised us. How come we greeted the master? The master paid no attention to us. He said to them, I was a day laborer, and I thought I won't slack off. And how come did the master carry wood on one shoulder and the cloak on the other shoulder? Now, every time it's talking about the cloak, it's talking about the cloak which bore zitzit, okay? Um, and he said to them, it was a borrowed, borrowed cloak for one purpose, for wearing it. It was borrowed, and from the other was not borrowed. How come the whole trip of the master did not come on his shoes? But when he came to put water, he put on his shoes, and he said, the whole trip I could, I could see where I was walking, but the water I couldn't see. How come when the master came upon the thorns and the thistles, he lifted up his garment? He said, this body heals itself, that the garments do not heal themselves. Okay? And, he, and, it's, and it's referring to how the garment heals through that of the zitzit. Okay? And so this is why it is that the woman in Luke chapter 8, verse 44, that her... Uh, her issue with blood was discharged when it is that she um, ended up going and pulling on the uh, the garment of Yeshua. Okay? Now, the thing is, Rebbe Nachman of Breslev has a little to tell us in terms of Zitzit also, okay? And and in the way that it is that we should see Zitzit, okay? And, and, I'm, and I'm hoping and I'm praying that this that this lesson here today on the Torah portion is is helpful to you guys to f more fully understand the the uh, the mitzvah sezitzi. Now, here is what Rebbe Nachman says. Now, when in the in the Torah, 
Okay? Within uh, verse 38 of chapter 15 of Numbers, um, the last word is the word kanfel within that Hebrew. And kanfel means corners. Okay? So this is what we have to understand. Now, conf now kanfel, corners, represents kanfel uh, nishraim which means eagle's wings, okay? Now, th this is going to get really cool here. Upon which God spirited, uh, uh, spirited the Jews out to Egypt in Exodus chapter 9, verse 4. An eagle symbolizes compassion that we find in Tekene Zohar 25, uh, page 71a, which in terms represents da'at, a higher perception. The most effective da'at is that, is that which guards against immorality, but donning zitzit, one merits morality. Now there's so much to be said here, okay? That we see that, that Rebbe Nachman says that the zitzit take us on a higher mandrega of da'at, of knowledge. But also, the thing that's rather interesting is this term, kanfel neshrim, or eagle's wings is in relation to that in the book of, uh, I believe it's the book of Micah chapter six, verse four, if I remember correctly, where it talks about the wings, you know, which are, which would be these over here, the corners. Okay. Relating to that of the Mashiach. Okay. The corners of the garment. That we end up seeing in, um, in, in, in Besorot Halucha, in the, uh, Gospel of Luke, we end up seeing how it, how it makes note of the woman going and grasping the corner of his garment relating to a messianic prophecy within the book of Micah, where it's talking about the eagle's wings in relation to the Mashiach. You know, so is it, you know, you know, just really awesome stuff. Rabbi Nachman goes on, and he says, Furthermore, just as Kifne Neshrim referred to a concept that translates time and space, since they brought all the Jews out from the same instance from their dwelling places in Egypt to Ramses to be ready to leave at the time of the Exodus, so too Zitzit can elevate a person to concepts that transcend time and space. Thus, the Zitzit, or through the Zitzit, one can great, gain a greater degree of happiness and fulfillment in each day because he attains great spiritual accomplishments. Now, how does one attain great spiritual accomplishments through Zitzit? This is something that we find on the Prashad level. We don't need to get into Rebbe Nachman to understand this because this very concept of donning Zitzit Basically, it is our gut check. It's the thing that keeps us in line in terms of the negative commandments and the positive commandments and helps us to realize that they are for the reasons of shalom, for the reasons of fulfilling the ten davarim, the, the, the ten words, the ten statements from Hashem, and also all of Torah mitzvahs, because it keeps on relating back in terms of the positive commandments, as we saw earlier, to that of the lev, to that of the heart, where all things start in terms of fulfillment of mitzvahs, is through the heart. 
And so we end up seeing that when a person has shalom, peace, they have semcha, they have joy, they have ahava, they have love. When they have these things, they are more focused and can better obtain spiritual knowledge and to be able to better obtain a message from Hashem, anything that it is that Hashem has to say to them, if they choose to be happy, if they choose simcha, if they choose shalom, if they choose ahava, if they choose all of these things, then they are on a, uh, on, on, on a very level-headed path in order to be able to hear the word of God. This is why it is that one of the things that I was taught whenever I went through my conversion, you know, through, through Breslov, is to always smile. No matter what, no, if you're having the worst day possible, you smile. You know, that's the, one of the things that you see in terms of Breslov Hasidim. We're always smiling. Why is it that we're always smiling? Because of the fact that it's our job to be, to bring Semcha, to bring Shalom, to bring Ahavat, to bring all of these things into the world. Because these are the things that help with the Konolam. And let me tell you something. It doesn't just affect people on the outside. It affects you as well. It affects you as well because then you are then able to open yourself up and say everything comes from Hashem. And so the, rem the remembrance of these commandments, and they're starting in that of the lave within that of the heart and how the lave then goes and works itself out through all the other eight organs that are in relation to the eight um, strands within that of the zitzit, help us to see how everything starts from there and permeates out. Okay? Finally, from Rebbe Nachman, he says this in Lekotei Halachot. He says, Wearing zitzit affords the ability to overpower the three major sins of idolatry, immorality, and murder. So he goes in on to even more of these here. This is seen in the world of Leidorotam throughout their generations, which contains the phrase Dortam, means perfect generation. Our sages teach that, that the generation in the desert was Tom, free of idolatry, free from immorality, and free from murder. Thus, Zitzid uh, perfect us from the evil characteristics. Okay? Uh, wise words from Rebbe Nachman of Breslev. Wise words from Rebbe Nachman. Now, in terms of one of the things that I'm sure I'm going to get many emails about, so I'm just going to go ahead and address this, and we'll wrap up with this, but I want you guys to go ahead and get your questions in or statements if there's anything that it is that uh, I have failed to cover here or that you need further clarification on. And let me go and pull up the video here so that I can make sure that I'm here to see you guys' comments. Uh, go ahead and put those in now. And one of the things that I'm going to address is the issue of tekelet. Okay? You guys see that in terms of my zitzit, on my talid katan, and the talid gadol, there's no tekelet. Okay? Now, the thing about those, you say, well, you know, within that of Torah Shebektav, within that of the written Torah, it says that you should have tachalot. Now, the thing about it, though, is that many people think that this just means blue. Tachalot actually doesn't mean necessarily blue, okay? 
Um, and I know that that's hard for, 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 for many people to grab, to grab their mind around. The word tehelet is actually the form of die. Okay. Now there are things that go back and forth in terms of Arl Tara and as well as spoken about in Agadad Midrashim as well that deal with the concept of Techelet, where it is that the Techelet came from, what color is actually Techelet in relation to this particular dye. Uh, some, some site of specific snail in which it is that, you know, the dye was extracted from. Another comes from a fish that the, the dye was extracted from. Now, the thing about it, though, is that depending upon the sect of Judaism that you are a part of and whether or not you believe it was a snail or whether it's a particular fish, the thing about it, though, is that with one of the two, I forget which one it is, I forget if it's the snail or the fish, but one of them, um, actually, they have been able to find this particular snail or fish and say, you know, that, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, that this is um, still around, they're very rare, and uh, you will find the very wealthy individuals in the land of Israel, not the common people, with Tehelet within that of their zitzi, you know, um, because this dye is very expensive. It's very hard to come by. And so considering that it's not something that, you know, that we can all, you know, get and, and, all, and all these things, you know, if we go and we go and we put, you know, a piece of blue uh, strand within there, and all that stuff, you know, and just say, oh, okay, well, that's Tekelet. The fact is that if you go into, you know, Israel and among the Jewish people, you're going to get laughed at in all honesty because, you know, the, because you don't understand the concept of Tekelet. And so uh, let's see here. I'm going to check to see if anybody has any questions or statements here. Uh, let's see. Daniel says, pray for me, Rabbi. I'm in the ER and I am watching. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. Everybody, let's, let's all, as a matter of fact, go in prayer for Daniel right now. Father Hashem, I just ask that you be with Brother Daniel right now, as he is in the uh, ER at the moment. We don't know what it is that he is in there for, but however, Father, we just ask that you be with him, that you give him shalom, and that you bring him um, amazing healing, uh, Father, and we just ask that you, you know, um, do what it is the 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 need 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 to do for his for his own good, Father, and we ask that you be there with him and for his family for whatever it is that he's go, going through and bring about healing. We ask these things in Yeshua's holy name, Yamim. All right, uh, let's see what else we got here. Julie says, "I know it isn't zitzit, but I am interested in learning about head coverings for women. They make specific ones for women. You find them in many different Judaica stores." Uh, what about women and tefillin? Women cannot wear tefillin. Is 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 it specifically for men to you to wear in in scripture? Yes. And and the thing with tefillin, um, is that first of all, like zitzit, it it also uh, is b'nai Israel. Now the thing about it was, like I said, the reason why I've softened my stance here recently is because uh, in terms of zitzit and women, is because of the fact that the word zitzit is actually grammatically feminine okay um now in terms of of um in terms of tefillin however tefillin is masculine okay and so the thing about it though is that there are coils inside of the head tefillin that contain the scroll now the thing that is that that that, that is amazing is that the coils 
um, doctors, you know, people who are in the medical perfection, per- perfection, if they, you know, were to open up the head to fill in and look within it, they would say, well, that's a model right there of the female uterus. And in many ways, the, the mitzvahs of tefillin basically helps for a man to make that spiritual connection with Hashem because women make a much higher spiritual connection with God than men do. Men operate, you know, in terms of the physical, in terms of rationale, and women are on a higher mandrega than us men in terms of the spiritual. And a lot of that bec- comes down to the fact the, of why it is um, that, um, you know, that's that's the case and all that stuff. Uh, tefillin, specifically for men, in terms of women and tzitzit, uh, just make sure that it's a part of a feminine garment. But then again, women are not obligated to the mitzvahs of tzitzit. That's important, okay? So I don't want people... All these women out there to sit there and say, oh, I need to go and get tefillin. No, you're not obligated to that mitzvah. Um, yeah, uh, Deampa De- asked, uh, uh, asked, asked about that question, and I just, um, yeah, she said I already answered it. Yep, sure did. All right. I guess that's everybody's questions and all that stuff, and I hope and I pray that this uh, teaching was helpful to you in some way, shape, or form. And uh, let us just go ahead and close it out in prayer. Father Hashem, I just ask that you be with each and every single person here today as they go out uh, in, into, into their day. I ask, Father, that on this holy Shabbos of yours, Father, that each and every single person comes closer to you in some way, shape, or form, Father. And I just ask that you be with each and every single one of them throughout their week as they deal with their families, as they deal with their jobs, as they deal with their friends. And, you know, just ask, Father, that you be a light, that you help them to be a light to the world, Father, have them full of Simcha, full of uh, Ahavat, and full of Shalom, Father. And we just ask these things, we pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right. Shalom, Brocha. Peace and a blessing. Shalom. So you want to learn Hebrew or Aramaic, or maybe both? Make sure to check out HebrewandAramaic.com. All three of the instructors on the website have accredited Moray licenses to teach the languages that they teach on the website. You can take the lessons on your very own time, and they even have a Roku channel so you can learn from the comfort of your very own couch. With over 200 videos going step-by-step through the languages and all the various scripts and over 100 PDFs of exercises and quizzes, this is the most thorough set of lessons that you'll find anywhere on the languages of the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. So visit HebrewAndAramaic.com today and sign up for only $15 a month.